0: of the the week, we end up getting a few others that come in, and even if they if if you meet anyone that's interested, they can still come, you know, even tomorrow, right? You'll you'll take kind of like the parable of the of the vineyard. You'll take people that will come in even the last day or two and and hear what's going on. So. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of exciting things that are happening, the Lord's doing here in the Carolinas. And so, we're
1: uh, going prayer and get right into uh, it. So, Father,
0: we thank you, we thank you for the opportunity of coming together to
1: learn how we can be more effective in reaching out to people uh,
0: around us. And sometimes, Lord, we, many times, we just need to have you help us to open our eyes and be able to, uh, Eyes that only the Holy Spirit can be able to provide to help us to see people that are winnable to you. Because there are people that are many times a lot different than us that would be open to knowing you. And then there's also those that are very similar to us that uh, are open to knowing you. And so I pray that you'll be with us. Give us a vision of what we can be able to do, where we are, and the places where you planted us. And so we just pray that you'll be with uh, Pastor Brad as he shares today, together uh, this afternoon and, and also with our guests that are going to be telling about their church plant as well. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Okay, so today we're going to be hearing from the God family. Rebecca and Ryan are going to be sharing from the Staley church plant. So I'd like to invite you all to come forward. Thank you for being here. If you would tell us some information about this daily plant together, thank you.
3: Hi there, I'm Rebecca, and I've had some training doing Bible work and literature, uh, literature ministries, and, so and so getting to know people in the community and telling them about Jesus and studying the Bible and reaching out has been part of my life since I was late teens. I just enjoy it so much, and that's one thing that when I met Ryan while we were dating, he said, "I live in this small town. The closest Adventist church is maybe 40 minutes away, to the one that they go to in Thomasville, which is uh, kind of west of Greensboro." And so I was, I was fine with that. You know, hey, we can go knock on doors. We can meet the people in your town and tell them about Christ. And so. I have always been excited to work with my husband in reaching our community there and so we um, started the church plant in 2014 and uh, we've had just a wonderful time wonderful our highest attendance I think was close to 30 or a little bit more than 30 and our average attendance right now is 12 we've had two baptisms and we had several people are several people studying for baptism you know we've had setbacks but the blessings have overwhelmed us some of the blessings that i personally have benefited from is seeing the people that you've been studying with that i've been studying with come through those doors on sabbath morning it's like wow you know my friends are here um have you all been able to hear carl hafner a little bit for the afternoon meeting, he shared about the story. He invited uh, a classmate from one of his classes, and she would came, and he invited her again, and someone forgot to mow the lawn, or they couldn't mow the lawn, and he said, I don't care if we got to get scissors out. We're going to mow that lawn because she's coming to church tomorrow, and that's how you feel. You know, when you have friends that you've been studying with, you want to bring them, right? You want to make sure that you give them what they need, you know, a nice-looking church, a children's program, if they have children, you know, potluck. We would like to do potluck almost every Sabbath, you know, something that they can help build them. And so that's one thing that I've enjoyed about church planning. It's, it's very, uh, you, you're bought in. As a leader, you are sold, you know. You, this is who you are. When you bring people in, it's like family, and it's so wonderful to see them give their hearts to the Lord. And uh, so we've had one couple. I think my husband might talk about them that got baptized. But the one person that I also want to talk about is Ronald. Um, Ronald is an older gentleman, African American, and he lives in this older uh, uh, senior housing. And we had gone cold and he got a flyer from us asking for Bible studies. And so he signed up for Bible studies and. I started uh, with Ryan. We started giving him Bible studies, and he was been smoking for over 30 years. And there was a couple other people in our congregation that had been smoking. So we thought, hey, this is perfect. Let's do a stop smoking program, right? Help these people out because they want to get baptized, they want to give the hearts to the Lord and dedicate themselves. So let's help them on their journey, right, with the Lord. So. We did a five-day stop smoking program, which is excellent. If you ever need resources, um, is Dr. Weaver from the ABN? He is funny and he helps people quit smoking. So, anyways, at the end of the five days, Ronald has quit after thirty-some years of smoking, and uh, he is still quit. The last time we talked to him, he's had some other health problems, so he hasn't been able to come to church recently. But he's been praying about joining our church, and that is. It's just been wonderful to see people growing in the Lord. There's nothing better than that. And so I definitely, uh, with prayer and asking God for help, if God is calling you to church plant, he will help you in that way. And sometimes we may not always reach what we think is ideal or what we want to accomplish, but you know what? God may have something even better, or it's only a totally different mind. So we just don't give up. We just want to do what God says. And so my husband's going to share a little bit too now.
4: Hi, my name is Ryan Gottfried. And we came from a church of about 100 members. We planted a church from a church of about 100 members. It's the Thomasville 7th Avenue Church. I think they have more than 100 members now, but at the time it was about 100 members. And we went to a community where we live, which is very small. Uh, They had a Walmart when we started. It was one of those community Walmarts, uh, small, basically like a Dollar General or something like that. And since then it's closed. So that's how you can kind of get an idea of how big the town is. It's not very big but there's a lot of churches there's a lot of churches a lot of people attend church and a lot of people are receptive you know to Bible studies um, and that and to uh, Jesus having a relationship with Jesus so so we found it as to be a good spot uh, our most effective tool that we have used is, is friendship the one a non-seventh-day Adventist that is coming to our church right now is came because a friend invited her, invited her to come, and she she's been very faithful. She, I mean, she's there almost every week, yeah, so it's been exciting. That's really exciting. Our uh, the other couple that we have baptized just recently, um, they were real faithful in attendance as well, and. But they had they had been attending a church before they came to the church plant. They had been attending another church in the area. So, so um, and they came in actually from a a friend that had visited their mother in the nursing home, and played the guitar and sang for the guests there. And so all the people that are coming to our church have had a personal contact. Um, we are going to do a. Um, advertised health lecture in the in the town, and we hope that'll be effective too. You know, and we hope we make friends. We hope we make friends at those. But my encouragement is making friends. That is the best way, to, to grow. And you know, we're only twelve. We only have twelve people. But each week, um, it's a blessing. We get a blessing. At least I do. I don't know. And the other people keep coming back. So, <laughs> so we're just thankful for what god is doing um it's impacted our spiritual life you know when you are put yourself out there like having a church plant or you know running a church plant or being the leader you have to pray i mean you need prayer you you go there on sabbath morning and you you're the first one there and you each week not every week but some weeks you think are we going to be the only ones here, you know, as the time keeps getting closer to 9.30. And uh, maybe this week nobody's going to show up. You know, you don't know. So it's, it puts you on your knees and you're you're like, Lord, you know what? I don't have a strong personality to go out there and and people just want to come and, you know, have a friendship with me. That's not really who I am. But just giving it over to the Lord and saying, You know, have him draw people in to himself and just try to step out of the way and let that happen so it's been it's been good um, that's what we're focused on now is just making more friends. you know that's making more friends and inviting them to church and i've I've been inviting coworkers to church. they haven't come yet, but you know you just keep you keep trying so so that's our testimony,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: So let me ask a question uh, for you, Ryan. Okay, so what would not have happened had this church plant not started? What things have resulted specifically for this church plant in regards to lives of people within the church plant? Perhaps you you and Rebecca and your spiritual journey, uh, what would have not happened without this church plant starting?
4: I personally believe that Eddie and Kay who were baptized I don't believe they would have been baptized otherwise they were going to a church but from what I understand is they weren't they were not participating I mean one was participating but the other one was not as much and when they came to the church plant it was a more comfortable uh small group where she has really participated a lot so we're thankful for that i think i don't i don't know if they would have i, I mean i just don't know but i just feel like it possibly wouldn't have happened so so um We went went to a fall festival at our church, uh, I mean, at our small town, and we had a booth there promoting our church and and different things, Uh, our radio station. We have a low-power FM radio station in the town as well, and so we were promoting those things, and we wouldn't have done that, I don't think, without the church plant. So, yeah, did you have a question? what's the most rewarding thing that's happened in our church plant and what's the most challenging yeah challenging thing that's a good question Um, the most rewarding thing is sitting together and I just want to get back to small groups I mean our church plant is small enough that we are a small group I mean (laughs) we're just a small group and the how how we have gotten to know each other more you know because you know you you know you have to talk to these people there's 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 not an option when you go to a big church you know you might just talk to a few people, your friends or whatever, but just having a small group where you have to be intentional about talking to to these people and getting to know them has been a a huge blessing for us. Each week, I mean, that's the blessing that we get our fellowship, our talking about the Bible, not just talking about worldly things, but talking about the Bible and our relationship with Jesus and um, how that impacts our views of the world or what's happening in the current events. So, just getting to know people that way has been the biggest blessing. Um, our biggest challenges. Is just um, staying motive not motivated. That's not the right word, but staying excited about the church plan, because you know it is kind of at this point it's the same people every week, and you know you you don't have that. Um, you just have to be more disciplined and not run on emotion, you know. So transition <laughs> between we're starting something new and now we're gonna keep something going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, so two questions I have. <clears throat> How you stay late? And then where where are you meeting as far as uh where the next group meeting? We are renting a Methodist church at fifty dollars a week, so which is really good. Awesome. And it's it's it has a lot of capacity. I mean, as far as church area, it doesn't have very many classrooms. It only has two two classrooms, but it has a big sanctuary. I mean, it's a huge sanctuary. So we could fit 100 people in there probably. Um, the town of Staley is really small. I mean, it's... Um, I would say so. It It, it has a... Main Street grill there on the main street has a Main Street grill and it has another small store and it has the post office and that is about it as far as the downtown. And then you have of course your the community that lives there. So yeah. So three hundred and ninety
2: three people in two thousand ten
4: census. Three hundred and ninety three. Three hundred and ninety three people live there, yeah. So there is no gas station, <laughs> not not in town, <laughs> not in town. But there are there is a town close by that has a gas station. <laughs>
3: uh,
4: uh, twelve, about twelve, yeah, twelve every week, and uh, it's pretty consistent. Twelve every week, so yeah, families. Let's see, yeah, about six. Yeah, mhm. yeah, yeah, six or seven, actually, yeah. You mentioned that there are um, a lot of churches in that
5: town, and when you give you the number <laughs> of 300 and something, why would it be so different that they
2: want
4: to come? Oh, okay, um, why, why, why would they want to come to the Adventist Church in a, such a small town and... When they have all these other churches, actually, the other churches I was mentioning is probably in the neighboring towns. Um, in Staley itself, there's probably only four or five. So, but there's a close, a town close by that's Liberty, which is only like maybe five miles away, which has a lot, a lot bigger. It had the Walmart until recently. So, so. and uh, why would they want to come to our church? Um. yeah we are the only one on Sabbath well we're, no we're not actually the, not the only one on Sabbath there is another group uh, but I mean what makes us different or what makes us stand out um, we've been emphasizing health you know with our stop smoking five day stop smoking and also the we're going to do a diabetes clinic which is our next project we're working on right now getting the advertising and everything together the place to rent which we found a we've now found a place to rent for like $12 a meetings which is really great so yeah 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 that's true yeah the word of God yeah yeah that's true I mean they if we were to stop um, having the church plant what well, we've thought about it at times, but if we were to stop we the thing that we think about is these people live in this town and there there's no other close church we don't know if we know that some would not go somewhere else and we don't know about the others. We think they probably would but some, two of the people especially would not go anywhere else. I mean, location is an issue for some people, you know. I know we traveled 35 miles to go to church one way every week and, you know, we would do that but for other people 10 miles is a long ways, you know. (laughs) For, you know, the people that um one is in a in a nurse a assisted living type area, and the other one also is living with you know they're both older and they're on fixed incomes so they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to go anywhere else.
2: So they were in the process of, of planting, at least thinking about it, before they were even married. And now, so recent, recent marrieds, so newlyweds, they were leading out in church plant together, had their first child, and then now the second one's on the way. Yeah. So this is a lot going on. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for Ryan and Rebecca. Lord, they cannot imagine themselves uh, doing anything but uh, working for you. Uh, They're constantly um, busy with, with life, and they have dedicated their lives to you as your disciples, and they're making. series, that your Holy Spirit would, would bless it, that you would get this message out, um, that people can have lifestyle change and have a different uh, different well-being coming up in, in, in this state of community. I pray you would get the word out to those that are ready to make lifestyle changes, and I pray you would bless uh, this meeting, bless the participants from the church as well, and I pray you be glorified. And also I want to pray for, for Ryan. As they are being entrepreneurial, spiritual entrepreneurs, uh, I pray that you would bless them in their ministry. Lord, as they have a growing family that brings uh, um, many changes and and challenges and and focusing on different things at the same time, I pray that you would always help them to focus on putting uh, you first in their personal law and family second. order, and never feel guilty about um, uh, keeping the, the right order the way it needs to be. So thank you for the ministry, and I pray you continue to guide them in this church plant, and bless this steady plant, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brian, for yeah. coming and sharing. Yeah. Yes. And by the way, I... A seminar like this to find out about church planting before you were even married. And uh, obviously, you got the right focus. Um, so, I want to pray that the Lord continues to bless your family. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the why and who of church planting. On Monday, we talked about the process of renewal for church, church revitalization. Yesterday, we talked about spiritual gifts to- topics. specifically the why they themselves can enjoy gospel privileges. They do not feel the necessity of occupying new territory, like statements, carrying the message of salvation into regions beyond. They refuse to fulfill the, the great commission, Christ's commission, going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, 15. Are they less guilty guilty? So that's the call. That's the call that should be in the heart of every disciple of the Lord is to carry this message forward, not just to sit in some church as pew potatoes and have some involvement here and there and uh, just focus on your own life and not take the message of salvation to people before Jesus returns. That is something that we should feel They were going to, and now they're on the front line. They're on the front line of church planting, and and you can hear uh, the passion as they were sharing. I mean, who, who does this? What newlywed does? This? I mean, they're the only couple, only church planters in our conference out of let's say fifty in the last seven years. remarkable so uh, it shows their, their, their dedication so uh, I think that they, they feel as obvious they feel the the you know compelled to, to share and that's the same thing that, that we, we also want to feel okay second church planning is the most effective method of evangelism many have said this it's the most effective methodology known under heaven of reaching new people it, it's just the way it is it's just the way it is I mean, we may put on a good program in an existing church and it may be effective to Starting new church plants that creates opportunities for people to get excited, enthusiastic, and very intentional about reaching new people. Uh, It is just the way it is. Okay, Tim Keller. He's not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. Some people uh, know him. churches, they think, well, you can only attract people if you have very loud music, which, hey, different strokes for different folks, perhaps. But um, they actually have a conservative church, and they're growing, and they're reaching people, secular people, millennials, uh, quite regularly, very successfully. This is what he says. The vigorous continual planting, oh, by the way, he also, um, it was some award that some saw it in the news recently, he was stripped of some award or special engagement because of his conservative stance. Corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches within the city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parent church ministries, growing mega churches, congregational consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to those who have done any study at all, Daily is 12. How many people do they say that have been baptized recently? Two people, alright? Whereas older churches require 25 members to baptize one convert, okay? Alright, and in fact, I've heard of much higher numbers, 100 sometimes, 100 uh, members to baptize one per year. Church planting, third, will stimulate growth in older churches. Uh, This should not be underestimated. As long as it's done, Intentionally for the right reasons, the right motivations being to reach new people, not so that we can um, have a place necessarily that's closer to us, which that's not a bad reason, but uh, because you can have, invite your friends and family um, that live in that area and co-workers. But the right reason is not also to have a church that that you like to come to. That is not the reason to plan. Okay, uh, is to, to reach new people. When that is done correctly, you're not going to have a flood of people leave the mother church. If you're going to have a church split, you're going to have more than probably want to come out. I mean more than you would want to come out of the mother church to start a church plant. You remember the first testimony Matt was sharing? Matt Stockdale was sharing? And there, there are probably some people still in the mother church today. 200, and typically we would want to say, okay, no more than 40 people from the turn of 200. You don't want to go beyond 20% of the average worship service attendance. Uh, but when you take more, it's because there's some unhealthy issues going on. That happens. And, and there were some, like Matt, who wanted to plant before some things kind of came to a head. Uh, you know how it is. It's, it's usually the, the three Ds. You know what the three Ds are? They get, get us into fights and Frameworks, you know, that uh, whether it's going to be something related to you know, what, how we dress ourselves. Step up because no, no, there's no longer a treasurer there. There's no longer a head elder sometimes, or another elder, or a Sabbath school teacher, Sabbath school teacher for the children, um, a, a, a deaconess. That's a key person organizing potluck. So you have people that are going to have to step up. And you know, people sometimes wonder, well, what's going to happen once this church plan gets started? What are we going to do? How are we going to uh, carry on financially? Those churches that move forward in faith, God seems to bless those churches more than the ones that don't have the faith to move forward. Mm -hmm. Those churches, those mother churches, seem to be better off after planting, if you look at a couple years afterwards, than the established churches that were too afraid to move forward, financially, volunteer um, activity, and everything else. All right, so third, church planting will stimulate older, or stimulate growth in the older church. All right, this was my first church plan. Um that came out of this church 135 in attendance when they started because they were church split. They, they start off, they had a quick burst of, of attendance, and then they start to come down very quickly. And eventually, they came down to around 35. In Now, initially, just like the the Triad Adventist Fellowship plan, there were a small group of people who wanted to plant a church, and something came to a head. That have been in the church for a long time. These are, I mean, you look at the tie. You see these are some people that were very, I mean, you know, like MDs and people that, uh, not just MDs, but uh, high levels of leadership in the community as far as the medical community. Um, and he had other, obviously others as well, business people, and so. question was, those 200 year old songs you know some may say i don't trust a, a song unless it's at least 200 years old <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> as far as being sacred you know how it is you know, the organ was the devil's instrument 200 years ago but anyway uh, so so you have do so you have uh, interesting. Um, and every now and then they would have some newer song, but it wasn't with any drums. And it was this done with piano, maybe another instrument or two. Um, so it was good. And there was a major improvement. Major improvement. As you can see, the attendance went up. Um, so it, it came down to 35 and then it went up uh, to 68. So things are getting better. all day. The church plant was the uh, highest score of NCD of any English-speaking process to resolve basically focusing on the
5: Did uh, say your name and tell us what you do. Okay, my name is Ron Hur, and I work for the Center for Youth Evangelism at Andrews University. And a uh, little over a year ago, we became the international distributor for NCD products. Uh, there was a gentleman in Chicago who had a firm called Church Smart, and this individual wanted to retire. And he basically uh, gave us his business. At any rate, uh, natural church development, as Brad has already said, is a unbelievably simple process, which helps a church focus on excellence within their congregation, and if they will really take seriously the results and work on that one area of ministry within their church, uh, they will see dramatic results. Now, the amazing thing for us at Andrews, and something, quite frankly, that I was very reluctant in getting involved with NCD, is 98% of our business is to non-Adventist Christian congregations. I mean, we have Catholic congregations, we have Methodists, Lutherans, Uh, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. In the Adventist Church, we have actually designated Natty as being the national distributor for the Adventist Church. And therefore, we sell the surveys. If you want to do this, uh, you would contact Natty, and uh, you would be able to get the survey from them. Uh, But there is a process that you should go through. Brad has an excellent book that he's put together. Uh, I am just... In the beginnings of retirement, I'm moving from Andrews to Greenville, North Carolina, where I have a daughter and four grandkids. That's the attracting factor to that part of North Carolina. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to trying out this NCD survey in my new home church in, in Greenville, North Carolina. But anyway, contact Natty for uh, a, the survey and then how to process the result. North American Division uh, Institute of Evangelism, also on the Andrews campus. And Brad can help you w- w- with that process as well.
2: Yeah, the book that he was really yeah. Um, I have used that, the uh, natural church development process in every district, and I always start with it.
5: and what to do to improve those areas. Go ahead. Come back. Let me give you just t- two minutes of history of, of NCD. NCD was created by a German theologian who was concerned about the difficulty of the spread of Christianity in Europe. Europe has become so secularized. Christianity is not prospering there. And so he started writing some books about what needs to be done to revitalize Christianity in Europe. And lo and behold, he hooked up with a uh, Christian sociologist who said, I can help you with this. You write the books. I'm going to create the survey. And between the, the literature and the survey, we are going to change the face of Christianity in Europe. Well, it is helping in Europe, but it has gone like wildfire, in the United States and Canada. And uh, we have, the United States now, is the principal uh, user of the the surveys. But this process is being used around the world. And like I said, any church who really takes it seriously, then the thing uh, difficult for me to understand is how something so simple can be as effective as it is. And I would strongly encourage any congregation who has not done this to do it. And I think, Brad, you were absolutely right on target when a new pastor going to a congregation to find out what there is uniquely about this congregation that needs to have the most attention paid to it that can help it to thrive. And we're not talking small numbers here, folks. We're talking increases of 20 to 30 percent in a number of years. And then the thing is, you don't just stop there two years later, you retake the survey and say, all right, we've now achieved this level of progress Now what do we need to focus on now to get us to yet another level? It's an amazing thing.
2: So the churches that are not planting, new churches, that do not have a church planting focus, those churches are actually decreasing in membership, overall membership. Okay? It's very sad because the population is increasing. We're talking about very well-known denominations here. For those churches that are growing, church planting is a is a key, at least a key factor, key reason why it is still. Moving forward, or at least staying at say basically at a zero percent growth rate, which is actually not bad, considering that you have a lot less creasters. You know what priesters are? People who come to church twice a year on Christmas. Christ Christ right. Christ Christ. Yeah. Um, so they, they have disengaged from church. Six planting new churches enables us to reach the present generation. Right. It's because. Church plants have a tendency to take on the characteristics of the current generation. So, if you plant a church in 1950, um, today, unless the church did some changing, reevaluating, updating, they may still have a group of platform participants. They come out and march together and sit down in front of the people. Everybody can see them for the whole service, you know, until the the preacher gets up and then other people go down and sit down. Um, That's something that popular 1950s and then you can see people talking which you know you know I've done it myself so uh, and we still have some churches there are like that today you know which um, probably need to think about that and uh, be a little more current. Uh, okay so this is something that uh, we're gonna hear about tomorrow. Uh, well we're gonna hear some about tomorrow Group, we're talking about the who. Uh, We're going to talk about the lay leader. We're going to talk about the core group, but we're going to hear tomorrow in this testimony about a core group that has not launched into worship services just yet. Okay, and that's actually a church plant that my family is involved with. Uh, It's close by to where we live. Okay, so and we have to evaluate. Okay, Uh, do we want to reach people who are 40 years of age only, or do we want to, are we concerned about reaching people less than 40, you know, and if we are, then we probably need to do things a little bit differently than the churches we came out of, or not necessarily the church we came out of, but the way that we're most comfortable in in, um, doing church, which not not just means worship services, necessarily, or Sabbath schools, but it also means how much we're engaged have heard of the attractional model versus the mission I referred to um, earlier this seminar attractional model is you have a facility and you try to put on excellent programs there to attract people to go to come the missional model is where you're trying to go to where the people are which is more consistent with the Great Commission being with the people being active in For instance, uh, not creating your own new organizations, but getting involved with current organizations that are aligned with our values and mingling with them, whether they're Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't matter, but they're they're aligned with your values. And then um, they get to know you, and then, of course, you can invite them to your worship gathering location. So we need to think outside the box of churches, just what happens within four walls. That's not the church. The church are the people that comprise of the body of that local congregation. Seventh-day churches allow the denomination. To a lot of it's just a, like an unknown That that, actually, that plan has been going on for maybe six years. The the, uh, Korean, and a lot of them have have, they drive in to go to church to try to get a new work started there. So the vitality is not very strong there. However, uh, within a couple of years, actually, within like uh, just a little bit more than a year, they have um, as many Hmong people coming to church as they do Koreans. Mm -hmm. So um, just like that. So, um, yeah, we have many F As you can see, we have a lot of ethnic populations. However, we need a lot more American-born church plants because our growth as the Adventist church is not with the American-born population. It is with the immigrant churches. If we we did not register the baptisms or church plants those churches or attendance for those churches or church plants, we would have show a negative uh, gain in our membership and our attendance in baptism. It's not baptism, that's not negative, but if you look at the deaths and the pauses missing, it will be negative growth. So what we need to do is um, continue to plant. to reach American-born people because what works for uh, ethnic populations what what, uh, worked for Americans let's say 40 years ago is still working with the ethnic populations but is no longer working very effectively with people born in the United States we need to do things differently yes ma'am Have churches that are multicultural. Sometimes, what you will have is some cultures can yeah can become assertive, very assertive, and they're more a lot of times more tied into the church, connected to the church. And the people that are, tend to be more secular and not as connected socially, American-born people, they they're not they're just going to stop coming to church. Start feeling different and whatever—that's just the reality.
1: So you can support more people in worship by having separate church plants. Okay, to support so them. you can plant ethnic plants,
2: you can plant um, uh, American-born yeah. plants, whatever. Just plant one or the other, yeah, or plant multicultural plants. You can do them all, but don't. If you see that one people group is not being reached, yeah. you need to be strategic and. Yeah, uh, as an example, there are some ways um, – some ways that uh, – there some things that you would – if you're trying to reach American-born people today, then um, here are some things that seem to work better with them, um, especially the younger they are. Okay? This is just the trend. You could disagree with me. It's not like I came up with these, but this is just what I have heard long worship services. So if the worship service just drags on and on, and it drives me crazy. So I mean, I've been in many congregations, even in our conference, some of them, and uh, a lot of times they'll be repeating themselves with, throughout the worship service. And people that, uh, let's say they're older professionals, Things in the church are done poorly. Um, They have very little tolerance for things like that. So no long services. So um, that's one thing. Um, Also, another trend is um, being too dressy. American-born people, they have some hang-ups with overtly religious, overt religiosity. And that is something that. you have top-down decision making. That—that um, that is something that uh, in America the way it used to be, um, and so the church mirrored the same culture. And and many for many ethnic populations is where they—that's what they're used to. Um, case in point, I, I can tell you that when we talk about pastor coaching and coaching, we have a pastor coach working with the lay leader in coaching With our Latino community made up of immigrant populations, um, that coaching is a little bit foreign to them. They're used to respecting the leader. The leader just tells them what to do, and then they do it very faithfully. Um, That's not the way it is in, say, Japan today. That's not the way it is in America today. You don't just tell. So, there's some things like that. Uh, so, top down, so there needs to be questions asked. Okay, what do you think about this? We're thinking about this. Questions asked so that everybody has a, a voice that can engage. And it's not just one person who decides or a few people decide. Everybody is, is expected to get in line and follow line. So, yeah. It was, did you have two questions? Yeah. So of your generation, you said you're 67. I won't put your name out there. <laughs> All right? Your generation, and you personally, you, you cannot imagine um, going up front and not being presented in your best clothes, so to speak, right? And right. your best clothes for you would be tie. I was saying that overt Christ or overt religiosity is because a lot of people have been been burned with people that have been fully dressed and they have been caught in, in uh, very obvious you know hypocritical, hypocritical living as far as you know big big name people been caught in major immoralities and so there's a certain association as far as hypocrisy and I'm going to put on my clothes of being authentic so that there's a there's a value with the younger generations of authenticity and they feel that um, what they've seen in the older generations is inauthentic and they may sometimes associate wearing all the formal clothing as part of the inauthenticity. You know if you know what I'm saying. I'm not sure that makes sense. You don't have to agree with it. So this is why we the up here